2: Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Luke Johnson, Dalton Stanford. We're all in the First Bank Studios here in Hattiesburg this afternoon for a Tuesday Feels Like Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. And we're glad you're with us. Head baseball coach Scott Berry will join us in just a moment to talk about uh, all the fun every one of us had for the past several days on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. First up, though, want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for their sponsorship of today's show. As always, Dickie's is a proud supporter of Southern Miss and USM Athletics, and we appreciate all they do. They can uh, cater any event you have, whether large or small, and they cook fresh meat every day in their restaurants here in Hattiesburg and across the state. Dickey's Barbecue Pit, a proud supporter of Golden Eagle Athletics and, of course, the Eagle Hour. Well, unless you've been on Mars or maybe the Indianapolis 500, you're well aware that Southern Miss won four straight games in the Conference USA Tournament to capture another conference tournament championship in dramatic style, we might add, and are now headed to a regional baseball tournament at the University of Louisiana otherwise known as LSU. Head baseball coach Scott Berry very graciously joins us uh, on a Tuesday morning uh, as opposed to his normal Monday. And before I even ask you a question, Coach, uh, let me let me tell you in front of all our Golden Eagle listeners, a uh, hearty congratulations to you and your ball club.
3: Well, thanks, Bob. We're very excited about the opportunity to play in the fourth consecutive uh, regional and, and the accomplishments that we had down on the coast this past week. So uh, our guys really uh, responded well after a disappointing uh, regular season ending uh, to, to bounce back and turn the hourglass up, let the sand start dropping on a new life. So, uh, though, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better than, than what our guys went out and did, obviously.
2: No question. So, Coach, at the end of the year, uh, when the UAB series ended – one, what was the message to your ball team and two, did you take any different approach heading into the tournament?
3: Well, no, you know, the message was and I was probably a little more frustrated than I probably should have uh probably should have been, I guess, but disappointed, you know, going into that last series with tied with FAU knowing that if we if we ended up tied, we'd still lose the head-to-head, but uh, you know, we'd still uh, be co-champs, and and then when we uh, weren't able to do that, then certainly it was uh, you know we're going to have to win the tournament. That's just the one. You know, we've made we've made our own own bed. We're going to have to lie in it, and uh, you know, then I kind of started looking at the 0-9 team, and the the RPIs were very similar uh, then as they are now, and and I said, you know what? If we can get deep in that tournament, maybe make it to the. Championship Day, uh, we may have a chance to to get in because I feel like certainly our our league is worthy of two two teams and not just one. So uh, you know that was the message going in as well as just hey whatever's happened up to this point has happened, good or bad, it's over. Everybody starts with a clean slate with a conference tournament. All eight teams are zero zero trying to be that one team to move on, and and that's the way we approached it. And our guys did it very professional. Obviously, Walner's walk-off two-run homer against Rice in game one was just an explosion of momentum for our club as, as we carried it through the next three games.
2: Well, no question. That, and certainly you could see that momentum in the Marshall game, Coach, and a lot of things to talk about regarding the tournament, but really so phenomenal to realize that in the last two games of the tournament, against Rice in Florida Atlantic, your pitching staff puts up two shutouts. That's, that's, a, that's a remarkable performance by your staff.
3: Well, it sure is. You know, the last 19 innings uh, that we've pitched have been uh, shutout innings. So, you know, certainly hats off to our guys. And, uh, you know, if you understand baseball and you can dissect the game, win or lose, and how it all played out, well, let's take it back to game one uh, when we were down four to, to nothing for a long time against rice and hadn't touched second base until the seventh inning of that game and so you know you have to tip your hat to the pitching staff for just keeping it at four runs, allowing our team mm-hmm. and offense to to get back in it there late and eventually win it. so you know pitching really, really stepped up and and because of that. You saw the momentum offensively kick in as well. So all phases of the game really played well, the defensive side, the pitching side, and the offensive side. We got a lot of key hits in both Game 3 and 4 as well to to, to win those games.
1: In in the ninth inning, Coach, against Rice in Game 1, you were literally down to the last strike. How often would you say, in, in your coaching career, have you ever been in a situation where things looked that dire? I just I just want to make the point to fans that what they saw in that game is is almost inexplicable, and it doesn't happen very often. If you can re-rack your mind and go back, how many times have you been, that you recall, have you been in situations like that and emerged victorious? And you weren't down just one run, you know? Right, right. Can, can you, you think know, of any time, Scott, that you were that...
3: You know, I'm sure Kelly, there has been. Uh, Can't you know, remember any though. Right? <laughs> yeah, with 35 years, there's been. I've been so fortunate to be a part of some magical, magical finishes, uh, and many of us have witnessed them here at Pete Taylor Park. I don't know if anything what we witnessed offensively uh, was at that at that magnitude, uh, that kind of a game, in a pivotal game of either continuing on. Or getting in the losers bracket, so yeah, you're right. Storm Cooper coming up with the double, you know, down the line, and and everything that played into that victory uh, was very, very special, uh, for sure.
1: Did you did you think at that point, like I did, though, in Indianapolis trying to follow the the tournament? Did you think like I did that that was going to be the catapult, and you guys were going to win the tournament at that point?
3: After the walk off? Yes. No, I don't think you ever, you know, just say, oh man, that's, that's, a, now we're a lock. That, you know, I knew that that was an explosion of momentum for us. It sent a jubilation through our team uh, that radiated through our fan base and everything and created just this, this magnitude of momentum for everybody. And uh, when you have that, that's pretty powerful. And I felt like that our guys just all of a sudden, felt that confidence we can't be beat and and you know and they continue to show it for the next three games
2: coach uh, i heard a lot of people commenting sunday and and it was all it was all i think people were very happy uh to see the job that uh, that fred franklin and storm cooper did throughout the tournament for you when they got an opportunity uh to get on the field i know that I don't want to single out any one kid because it was obviously a great team effort. But you got to really, uh, you got to really feel good uh, for those two young men to uh, to come on the field and and perform the way they did uh, in their senior years.
3: Well, we talk all the time, and you're right. Both of them, I mean, haven't played as much as probably they would want to play. Uh, you know, and that, and that can be said for a lot of people that aren't in the starting lineup. Everybody's at a uh, at a program where they want to play every game or else they shouldn't be there. But, you know, to be able to continue to stay focused, continue to work, and have yourself prepared for the opportunity, that's the biggest challenge in that situation. And certainly with those two individuals, and even Eric Hord right. in game one right. with the pinch hit double, uh just really just defines being able to be prepared for that opportunity and uh, otherwise you're certainly going to fail you know and and that will find you the baseball guys they'll either reward you for it or they'll disappoint you for it and i really believe that you know and and that's just uh, that's part of it but you know those guys continue to work every day whether it's in the field, whether it's at, at the uh, at the plate, uh, to do the things that are going to help us win.
0: Coach Luke here, can you uh, tell us an inside secret? What did Gabe Shepard eat for breakfast Saturday morning? Because I want some of it.
3: <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, Gabe's just a, a really good college baseball player. I mean, you know, he's a young man that loves the game of baseball and and comes out and practices like he loves the game of baseball you know we we tend to you know have some guys that are just game players and we have some guys that that are just practice players and then we have some guys that are just practice and game players so i mean they just love the game and you know, I think back uh, over the years, guys that just enjoyed coming to the field every day, Todd McInnis, he loved coming to the field. Colin Cargill, he loved coming to the field, no matter what it was. And I think Gabe is one of those guys, too. I mean, he loves coming to the field and loves the game of baseball. So uh, what, you're, you know, what you're seeing him doing, obviously we've talked before, he's not our home run hitter. Uh, but when he puts a good swing on one, Uh, and everything intersects like it's supposed to, then he has a chance to leave the yard, and he's done that four times, and nothing came bigger than that three-run homer, obviously against against Marshall that, that day as well.
2: All right, Coach, if you'll hang on, we want to talk to you about what's ahead, and there's lots ahead for the Golden Eagles. Is that good? Yes, sir. All right, Coach Scott Berry, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. We look forward to continuing our conversation with the skipper of the Golden Eagles right after this. You're tuned in
1: to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the
2: top. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. The whole crew here this afternoon in Hattiesburg. We're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart, our good friends down on Hardy Street who carry the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel on the planet. Campus Bookmart, uh, if you're in our area, if you're listening in other parts of Mississippi this afternoon, and you'd like – I would think very soon, Kelly, you could get a Conference USA Baseball Championship T-shirt.
1: Being, from, being printed as we speak, I'm my sure. From
2: Campus Book You can uh, do that online at campusbookmart.net. All right. We're talking to head coach Scott Berry, whose baseball team put a big smile on the face of really all of us over the past several days. And then – so, Coach, you, uh, you you make this magnificent run. You win another tournament championship uh, tomorrow or yesterday at 11 o'clock you hear – that you're going to Baton Rouge and you're going to play in a regional involving Arizona State, LSU, and Stony Brook. I'm going to guess you didn't have any preference where your team went, but what do you think about this regional?
3: Oh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, anywhere you go is going to be tough. We all know that. Uh, because there's so many very, very good baseball programs out there that are, are hosting and, and for, for obvious reasons. I mean, they're, they're seated high and, and have done a lot of, a lot of good things to earn that. But, you know, LSU, it's a place we haven't been since 2008. It's, uh, it's a good drive for, uh, an easy drive for our fan base to be able to get there and and see us play, unlike last year with Arkansas. uh, Obviously, since Arkansas was a new venue that we'd never been to, I was excited about going there, knowing that it was going to be a tough one to get out of as well, but you know LSU certainly has its challenges uh, with the teams that are there, along with ourselves. So we're excited about the opportunity to be one of the 64 out of 299 Division One teams still left playing.
2: I've learned from you that you don't play the opponent; that you play the game. I, I learned that I'm a good student. I, I learned that the first year <laughs> that we started talking. Having right. said that, and I understand you will be playing against the game of baseball uh, Friday. Is there anything you know about Arizona State that you can share with uh, your fan base?
3: Um, They hit a lot of home runs, so uh, it looks like. And they take their walks. Uh, But, you know, they they have a very good offense. And I really don't know much about them other than they have a rich history of uh, very good baseball there over the years. In 1987, when I was uh, coaching it, uh, which was then Southwest Missouri State, now it's Missouri State University, and that's back when the regionals were there were only forty eight. There were eight, mm-hmm. sixteen regionals. And uh we uh, we qualified as an large to to go to that one and it was at Arizona State in Tempe. And uh I just remember being in awe of, of their stadium at that time, all the players that had played in that program, Barry Bonds, Bob Horner, you know, and it all across that wall. So it was a it was a really neat Educational experience for me about college baseball in in that area. So they're a good program. They got uh, you know Tracy Smith uh, who took over that program two or three years ago from Indiana after he had taken Indiana to the College World Series. Uh, ended up taking that job and and they you know I think this year they started out like twenty two and zero before they ever got beat. Uh, so they were uh, they were really hot early, but you know. Honestly, uh, guys, I mean they're they're a good club. They wouldn't be where they are, and uh, you know they're going to be they're going to be playing hard, just like our guys and the rest of the guys in that team in that
0: field. Coach, uh, a couple of fans, you know, just asking. Generally speaking, Walker and Stevie, uh, even though they pitch in the championship game, they'll still get the the rest they needed. So you'll have whoever you want to pitch Friday against Arizona State. Uh, is that right?
3: You know, when you say that. But you can you can count the days as well as I can count the days. Both of them pitched on very short days rest on Sunday, which means they would be on short days rest on Friday. We haven't, uh, you know, named a starter yet. Certainly, uh, there's two factors that we look at, and I think one goes before the other uh, is the health of the student athlete. Number one, not jeopardizing anything with them. Uh, you know, you got you got Stevie who's got a has got a bad wing anyway. You know, he's been pitching through it with a slap labrum tear. Uh, you know, for the past few weeks. So, and the second thing is, is you certainly want to give your your team the best chance to win, not jeopardizing any kind of health uh, you know issues that you might bring up. So, you know, we uh, we had to do what we we needed to do to win a conference championship tournament, which solidified us as the automatic. Uh, bid for the uh, to for the regional. Now we start over and I, I will assure you uh, that whoever we start on Friday, we have 100% confidence in going out there and and allowing and giving his team a chance to to win game 1 with that.
0: Right. Well coach uh, and 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 Gabe what Gabe Shepard did Saturday, uh I mean it was just absolutely phenomenal. So How good does it feel at the end of the year now with with Stevie being back? You you got three legitimate starters going into a regional.
3: Well, it feels really good because, you know, that has been inconsistent for us all year. You've seen it now. Gabe has started a few times for us on Sundays, but, you know, he's a young man that was uh, a, a little over a year of Tommy John, post Tommy John surgery. So, you know, he was a guy that we were bringing along. We felt like it was better in those starts. To start him, being able to warm him up properly, do everything and create a routine for him to to go out and be comfortable pitching from a health standpoint, knowing that maybe he might only pitch one inning or two innings. But as we continued to work bullpen sessions in between those starts and even the times that he went several weeks without making an appearance, He was still working in the bullpen trying to up that. Well, his breakthrough, obviously, game was against Troy, our last midweek game on that Tuesday, and that outing was just phenomenal. You know, the the exciting thing for me was was to get him back out there again and see if he could back it up with another quality outing. And, of course, he took it to another level on that second opportunity, uh, which was the Rice game. But He showed the same command. He showed the same velocity. He showed the same body language, the same presence, everything that you're wanting in a starting pitcher to give you a chance to win. And that's, to me, that was the most uh, pleasing thing from a coach's standpoint because I'm all about consistency, man. I want you – I don't, you know, I don't want you to be good one time, then throw us in the river the next time. Be good, you know, just a (laughs) roller coaster. I want – I want you to be able to go out there even when you don't have your best stuff and compete, you Mm -hmm. know, and and give your team a chance to win. And and that's what he did back-to-back time. So very excited for him and his young career. Uh, but, you know, he, he grew up and aged pretty quick, it looked like to me.
2: A lot of fun things about the tournament, obviously, Coach, but i got to tell you, watching the enthusiasm and the passion of uh, Stevie Powers Sunday afternoon, every time he got him out three more times and came off the field, that that was just a lot of fun to watch that kid.
3: Well, it was, and I won't, I won't lie to you. I felt like what Gabe Shepard did as a freshman gave everybody else on our staff a huge uh, a lift of confidence because they saw a young man go out there at at as a freshman on that stage and do what he did. Of course, we all know the pressure was on the next two guys that followed him, right. Carol and right. uh, and Stanley. You know, for ninety one straight pitches with with Gabe, not one ball was hit hard off the bat of Rice, and so the ninety second pitch of the game, which was Cody's first pitch. Gabe Montenegro makes a top-ten ESPN play in left-center, diving and, and preserving the the no-hitter. And then he strikes out the next guy. And then, of course, Stanley comes on in the ninth to get three outs, and the no-hitter by those three guys has been accomplished. And uh, and then I feel like it carried right over the next day to Walker Powell, who's short, short days rest, and he looks really good from the first pitch on. You know, we pitched out of that inning. They had bases loaded and only one out going in there. But, you know, Danny Lynch gets another opportunity and starts a 5-4-3, and I feel like from that point on, the rest was history.
2: Now, you know, Coach, you keep winning these tournaments and you keep bringing that Southern Miss Army that you had in the stands with you uh, all weekend, but especially Sunday. Some of these other coaches are going to start to think we have a bit of a home field advantage down there.
3: Well, trust me, that's already (laughs) – you don't have to worry about that. That feeling may be creeping in. It already is. But you know what? I'm going to tell you. um, You watch tournaments all over the country, conference tournaments, and there's only one other tournament that produces the attendance that we saw on the coast, and that's the SEC. You know, Hoover has very good attendance. But if you look at these other leagues, the ACC, the Big 12 – the uh, the AAC, uh, there's nobody there. Right. I mean, they play at these places, and they play for the money. Obviously, that the venue is guaranteeing them, but they eliminate the fan base because they can't travel. Now, saying that. It's in South Mississippi. Of all of our teams, of all 12 teams in Conference USA, there's no fan base that is more passionate than Southern Miss. I mean, I don't care. You can go to Rice, and there's not going to be hardly anybody in those stands. Maybe one day that will return. But right now, there is no doubt that there's one place. That's going to create an atmosphere for a college baseball player in Conference USA that a kid will leave going, man, that was a great experience. And that's when you play Southern Miss, anywhere around South Mississippi.
2: It was a great week, Coach, and and nothing but the best of luck to you this weekend. And uh, we're already looking forward to talking to you next Monday. Sounds great, guys. Thank you. Coach Scott Berry of the conference Champion Southern Miss Golden Eagles. All right, when we come back, we'll hash all this out on the Eagle Out
0: Southern Miss to the, top. to the top you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour Back on a Tuesday Luke Bob Kelly and Dalton all in the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg, thanks for listening to the Eagle Hour this afternoon with us, and want to thank Head Coach Scott Berry for joining us as his team gets ready for the Baton Rouge Regional noon Friday against Arizona State. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar & Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, home of the 895 Blue Plate Special. With a drink, check them out on Facebook, 4th Street Bar & Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Well, 16 regionals announced, and uh, yesterday, Southern Miss uh, celebrating. Uh, They they knew they were getting in, but it was just a question of when. You knew they were probably going to be a three seed. But when you look at where they could have landed or you look at who could have landed with them, guys, I'm going to be honest. Um, We'll break down Arizona State here in a minute. But the Eagles could have landed in a much worse scenario. Uh, I got a, a good friend of mine that's an LSU fan. He says this is uh, one of Marinari's worst regional teams ever. They've been banged up on the pitching staff. They're still LSU, and it's still going to Alec Box Stadium in Baton Rouge into the Tigers'
2: den. <clears throat> but you look at yeah, they're still going to get a regional, no matter how they can have a losing uh, record, badly yeah. they play. But
0: yeah. but you look at uh, you, you look at what could have happened. You look at I was thinking that Miami was going to be the two seed. Uh, it's it's pretty favorable if the Eagles the Eagles have a chance going in. You felt like Arkansas last year. You really got. Hosed in your regional, it's it's different this year. You feel like you got a genuine opportunity
1: to perhaps do some damage. The first game is going to be the toughest one, in my opinion. I, I think the strongest team, and look on paper. Now we're talking about on paper. I think the strongest team is Arizona State. I know they finished fifth in the Pac-12 and and all that. And Luke, you'll you'll break down the particularly their offensive prowess in a little bit. But I think I don't think LSU is that strong, considering. Just about every team in the SEC, the only, the only road games they play are conference games. Correct. All right, so about 75 to 80% of their games are played at home. Correct. Right, just like in football. So I think the fact that LSU is, is a one seed, they're at home, but I don't think they're the strongest number one seed by any stretch. Stony Brook is a team, with all due respect, north of the Mason-Dixon line. And traditionally, the northern schools just don't play the quality of baseball they do in the south for weather reasons. The Yankees. Lots, lots of them they can't even get on the field hey, until April. But Stony Brook
0: loves you know? Baton Rouge. 2012, they upset the Tigers and Alec Box. The, the greatest troll tweet this week was Stony Brook baseball tweeting LSU baseball and saying,
1: hey. So I think, going back to game one, I think maybe the two strongest teams right now are playing each other in the first game. That's that's my view. I just don't think is that strong. I think they're they're riding on the SEC
2: coattails. And those are some long. <laughs> that's what I was about to
1: coattails. say. So far, my phone hasn't lit up from the from the LSU uh, folks. Six you know. six
0: regionals. Host sites, the the SEC does.
1: What scares me about this Arizona State team, Luke, is if Southern Miss has had an Achilles heel this year, it's been the inconsistency of the pitching staff. Hopefully that has all worked itself out now. But if the Eagles get off the rails, pitching-wise, this is not a team that you want to get off the rails against because the Devils can hit the baseball.
0: They can. Okay, so just to, to recap the regional, LSU's the host, one seed. Arizona State, the two seed, Southern Miss, the three seed, Stony Brook, the four seed. Golden Eagles will play Arizona State at noon on Friday. When you're breaking down this Arizona team, and, and coach uh, Coach Barry mentioned Coach Tracy Smith is in his fifth season, won 154 games at Arizona State. Was it Illinois? I mean, was it Indiana? Got him a national seed. Uh, Arizona State's 37 and 17 this year, and they started off 21 and 0, won their first 21 games. Lost on March 23rd, and that's a nice way to start the season. Yeah. After that, though, when they hit the the conference schedule went 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. So started off the first half of the season, lighting it up. The two guys that you need as, as Southern Miss fans need to watch Spencer Torkelson hit 25 home runs as a freshman last year. Responded back in his uh, in his sophomore campaign. He's batting 348, 21 home runs and has an OPS of 1.134, which is monster. If you got one of those guys on your team? We do. We have, his name's Matt Walner. right? But they've got an outfielder, Hunter Bishop. He looks a lot like Walner, 6'5" 210, batting 347, 22 home runs, 61 RBIs, a 1.238 OPS. So, they've got just put it, what if Southern Miss had two Matt Walners in their li- in their in our lineup? Well, Arizona State does. Uh, Torkelson, and and Bishop. They're going to be a team. They're going to come out. This is a lot like the Dallas Baptist team that we started last year. Remember how good those guys were across the board? Uh, It's going to be – Eagles are going – you're you're not going to shut out Arizona State. You're going to have to give up some runs, but it's going to be containing the damage.
1: The good news is, though, is that this Arizona State pitching staff, compared to the other teams in all the region, they would be be considered – Average to slightly above average. They're not killer by any means on the mound, and, there's, and their studs are right-handed, which plays yep. right into the Southern Miss hand.
0: Four-four-six ERA, fourth highest ERA in the Pac-12. Gave up second most home runs this year in the Pac-12. Uh, two guys that might start, and we'll again we'll talk to Arizona State guys um, this week. But Alec Marsh is a, is about a top one hundred draft pick. Sit somewhere ninety-two, ninety-three. Uh, he's he's nine and three on the year. That's probably their number one who will face. But their top two, Bob Getty. Are righties. That's, good.
2: Yeah. That's always good. I was thinking about you the other day, Kelly, at the stadium watching the game, and, and I remembered one day you talking about how Chad Kaye loves left handed batters. And boy, we, we just have a ton of them, probably more so than any team I saw in the tournament always.
1: Statistics play such, a, such a, a big part, particularly in baseball, getting the pitching matchups righty versus righty. And statistically, you are going to see a preponderance of right handed pitching. So it would stand to reason if you have a choice between a right-handed hitter and a left-handed hitter, and all things being equal, you want to take that left-hander because
2: he's going to see right-handed pitching. So when you get ready to watch a tournament like this, do you give a lot of credence to statistics and all of that, or do you think it's anybody could win, anything can happen? Well, Coach Barry was saying he doesn't know a whole lot about Arizona State, but
1: believe me, they will. Yeah, you know, before they might not now, but but uh, you know, catchers and pitchers have meetings before the games. Okay, as okay, number thirty-seven and Coach Ostrander, I'm sure we'll do this with his team. All right, we got thirty-seven. Here's how we're going to pitch him. Like some, you know, statistic. They they break all this stuff down. They know where their power positions are on the hitting grid you know if he'd like some high and inside if if most of his home runs came low and away those are the places that they'll try to avoid there is so much science in baseball and people go, I hate baseball it's so slow moving I get that but when you take into account how many decisions that a manager, a pitching coach, a player has to make during a game. It's in the hundreds, and you can't imagine that, but it really it really is the case.
2: You know, we made this comment several times on this show uh, a little over a week ago after the disappointment with UAB. I remember hearing both of you say it. If they win the tournament, no one will remember the UAB series. Who? What series? What are you talking? I don't. There we go. There we go. But the fact that they were one strike away, it was it was amazing. Oh, it's amazing, you know? man. It's amazing. It looked it looked grim. It looked grim. There's no question about it. Of course, it was a double elimination tournament, so that would have only yeah, put see, them in the losing. It grim. I think if they'd have lost
1: that game, I think it would have been hard to bounce back. Agreed. Yeah. I Agreed. Think it would have been really and, hard. and conversely, by the way, the how they won it, as Coach Barry talked about, you know. I, I I thought then they just won the tournament. And
2: as a guy that coached a lot of baseball in your lifetime, I'm sure you agree. You just – there couldn't have been a better storyline than a loyal kid like Storm Cooper, who comes to practice, who's part of the team, who never fusses, who never complains according to his coaches, an exemplary kid. Even when he's beaten out by a freshman, is how Coach Kaye said, and and he said he just continues to be totally professional – you had to feel good for him. It was the greatest storyline of the tournament. And that's one of the things that kids, younger kids now, you high school players and even
1: junior high players, that's something you need to keep in mind. They're, they're going to look at your grades and all that sort of thing. How good a student will you be? But one of the questions coaches will ask is, is he a good teammate? That phrase, teammate, means how does he react when things aren't going his way? Right. Is is he going to be a me guy? Is he going to be an us guy? And clearly that kid's not. And, and we all know that as time goes on, there's more and more me yep. guys and not very many we guys. That's how how right
0: much right. do you think played into the rest of the tournament for the – no other word of the team remaining crunk, okay, like with energy? How much of Storm Cooper's double do you think played in? I mean, because if you go back and you look, there's been big times in the last four years when he's had a big hit – like we played good for a couple games after that, mm-hmm. you know, you you just wonder if, especially with him and Franklin coming off the bench, Horde coming off the bench, hitting the double, Franklin coming in, becoming all tournament team this weekend. But Storm Cooper, how those three performances in that comeback against Rice propelled the energy that we
1: saw the rest of the tournament. Once they won it, I, I, I said in Indianapolis, I said Southern just won the tournament. They just won it. Well, what do you mean? I get, but but confidence.
2: And momentum means everything. I I know how this sounds, but I shared the same thought when the game was over Wednesday. I thought we, we're going to win the tournament,
1: and it would have been an unfair question to ask right. Scott, Scott Barry. But I was, but I wanted to ask him. Look, all truth on the table. Did you have your speech ready to go if you'd have lost that game? Because uh-huh. man, it looked bad. It
2: looked grim, right? Riley. It looked grim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it looked really grim. You know. Um, but that's that's why you
2: play. That's why it's 27 outs, you know? Yeah. And, and kudos to Fred Franklin. We haven't talked a lot about that kid, but he made a sensational play in the championship game that stopped any momentum early that Atlantic could have gotten. He was just sensational.
0: When we come back in the fourth segment, top five moments from the,
1: the conference tournament. See what you guys think about All these. Right, Luke here. Johnson's top five. Yeah, yeah. Stay who tuned. wouldn't? Who wouldn't come back for that? <laughs>
0: miss
2: to the top
0: four segment eagle hour brought to us every day by gulfport home center located on highway 49 in gulfport go check them out we greatly appreciate their sponsorship of the eagle hour well wasn't just baseball going on this past weekend the ncaa outdoor track and field championships uh, region went down this past weekend and four golden eagles McKinley West, John Warren, Caleb Parker, and Eric Richards all advanced and will take part in the NCAA Outdoor National Track and Field Championships June 5th through 8th down in Austin, Texas. McKinley West qualified for the 100 meters. John Warren qualified in the triple jump. Caleb Parker in the 110-meter hurdles. And Eric Richards in the high jump. So four Golden Eagles Going to uh, be competing for a national championship,
1: and that's in Austin. And when when is that? Luke? June the fifth through the eighth. Okay, and and Austin in June is just lovely. It'd
2: be nice and cool. It'll be <laughs> yeah. nice and cool. Yeah. yeah. All great, right. So, great, what, great what are the Luke Johnson five countdowns? Let Kelly and I evaluate. Well, I was
0: trying this. to be holistic. I called this the Eagle Hour. Top five CUSA turning moments. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. whenever you have one of these, sometimes you have to combine things, and and because we're not going to do a top ten, but a top five, I think. Uh, Fred Franklin, number five. Fred Franklin's catch in center field was really reflective of how he exploded on the scene for the whole tournament.
2: It was tremendous. It was.
0: Tremendous. He wrestled the the ball in there. I heard somebody yeah, tackled. It, it was tremendous. Tackled the baseball. Number four. Uh, the two appearances by Hunter Stanley out of the bullpen. Absolutely electric. Very good. Okay. I, so far, no problems with. I'm cheating here. There's a tie for number three. That's okay. Okay. Storm Cooper's double down the right field line. Uh, really set the tone for the entire tournament. We talked about that. Uh, Gabe Montenegro's home run against Marshall, uh, which he absolutely crushed, uh, along with his catch to preserve the no hitter against Rice. All right. Those two tied for number three. Boy, I can't wait to hear. What
1: I, I, yeah. I think I know where he's going with two and one, but number two,
0: number two, Matt Walner. Uh, the the home run against Rice on Saturday morning, like hit the the parking garage, uh, but just the the home run against Rice. Cemented his legacy as the greatest power hitter in the history of Southern. Miss.
1: Why? Why does anybody pitch to him? I don't know. I don't they know. have lost their minds. Yeah. Look, if if you are going to get beat by Southern Miss, don't let Walner beat you
2: for How about pitching to him in the tenth inning when you are one run ahead. There is a guy on base and two outs.
1: What in the world?
2: <laughs> I just you and know then so you throwing fastballs. <laughs>
1: you there is such a thing as an unintentional intentional walk correct. where you Look, don't correct.
0: you know the the relatively you know tame patrick McGee tweeted out on that home run against rice uh saturday morning matt walner absolutely just murdered a baseball now for patrick to say that yeah. it
2: well he did it, it was a line drive home run, Kelly. It wasn't one of those big blooper home runs. It was just a line drive out of the ballpark. I just don't understand if I if
1: I'm trying to win a game and because I've got to yeah. answer, I got to answer to all the other guys on the team He's as not, to why he, I did in that.
2: that situation. If no. i
1: not to me, anybody else can beat me. I'm not letting Waller beat
2: me. I was
0: a number one. Luke? Before we go to number one, let me go back and say one more thing about Fred Franklin. Uh, how he responded? It was intentional. The the drama of the weekend. Was when you throw at a kid's head twice because he runs into your first baseman because your first baseman's in the foul line. The kid's arm got broken and Rice threw at his head. That was Bush league by Rice. It was horrible. That they should have got somebody should have got chunked over there. You don't throw at somebody's head. Uh, but Fred, I know the second time he got heated. And I think that's why the umpire didn't throw him out was because they knew what was going on. Right. But for him to come back up the next time, an RBI single down right. third baseline. He was so great all week He was great he all was weekend. Great. Number one, hands down, Gabe Shepard's performance. Maybe the greatest performance in a clutch situation by a freshman in the history of Southern Miss Baseball. Well, I
2: would only have to add one, and that was the country fried steak Wednesday night at the Beau Ravage Casino. He's going has, for the food. has nothing it to do with Southern incredible. Miss Baseball. That was awesome. Uh, there, there, would, there would certainly be
1: reason to argue based on last week, that Gabe Shepard would be a distinct number one, just thinking out loud, that he would be the front-runner to be the starter in game one of the regional. Right. Is that is that reasonable? Right.
0: I think it's reasonable because of what he did. You you can't expect him to go out and do that. He said after the game, he just said after the first batter, I knew I was on a different level. You know, it's a 25% chance, I think, Kelly, that you got your stuff That pitcher will have his stuff. He just didn't have his stuff. He was in dominant command of his stuff.
2: The only thing I would question about Luke's top five would be the Walner walk-off because that's the most magical play in sports as far as I'm concerned. A walk-off home run is the most exciting play in all of sports. And that just – blew the stadium up it just blew the stadium up and it set the tone for the rest of the week which is
1: another reason why you don't pitch to him (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm look I'm
2: glad it happened obviously but stupid
0: things we learned on the Eagle Hour today don't pitch to Matt Kelly I've told this story
2: before so I don't mean to repeat it too much but the FAU pitching coach was sitting with us and when Walter started up to the plate he looked at me and he said I don't know about this I think I'd walk him
1: do you think? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh Noah said, gee, it looks like rain. Yeah. I, I, I so you get you reap what you sow. And I, I cannot After what
0: they did to Fred Franklin couldn't happen to a nicer group of people, I tell that you. That was
2: much. Bush League. You it was described bad.
0: that perfect. It was bad. It was bad. but what we saw, resilience. We saw it. Fred came that was the most celebrated walk in the entire tournament. Fred walks and everybody goes crazy. Yeah. But yeah, if Gabe Shepard starts game number one, I mean, don't expect him to no-hit a potent offense. But guess what? Sucker was pumping the baseball. Yeah. It was
2: coming. And, and kudos to Fred Franklin, too. I can't say enough about the way that kid came off the bench after not playing much of any all year and was just exemplary all weekend. So, All right, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Kelly and I will actually be back in Hattiesburg. Tomorrow at nine o'clock. So I, I did get the. I did get the memo. We can come back one more day. Good. So only only less than hundred complaints. Okay. It was not. It was not even much okay. over ninety. It, good, was, it good. was good. We'll be back on the Eagle Hour tomorrow at one o'clock at Sully's Friday. But back in the studio tomorrow at one. Until then, everybody. Southern Miss to,
1: to the, the top. top.